Good morning, Salem family. We have come to the end of chapter one as we are seeking to, to memorize the book of Ephesians, and we entered chapter two this past week. We have a couple weeks left in the sermon series in chapter one before we get into chapter two. But, uh, but I, uh, I am, I don't know about you, but I am loving the book of Ephesians right now. I'm just, just immersing myself in it. And, uh, and many of you have sought to memorize chapter one as we've worked through this, and many of you have done it. Others have memorized just specific verses. Somebody asked me this past week, how are you doing on Ephesians chapter 1? And I said, I don't know that I'm ready to say that I've got it memorized completely, but I'm highly familiar with it, and I'm continuing to, to memorize. Um, but I want to challenge you just to continue with us, and if you need a schedule to kind of keep up with us as we memorize, you can find some of those in the back. We're about to enter into chapter 2, which is by far my favorite chapter in the, in the entire Bible. And uh, several years ago, I memorized chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And if you're thinking, you know what, I don't know that I can memorize the whole book of Ephesians, that's all right, but I want to challenge you. You can take the next couple of months and memorize chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, because you will find truly who you are in Christ and the great gift of salvation that comes with that in those first 10 verses. So chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, otherwise keep going with us and the schedule that we are keeping. Ephesians chapter 1 is where you want to turn in your Bibles this morning. Ephesians chapter 1. One of the things that every single human being is, is going to figure out at some point in their life is that there comes a point in which you thought you knew somebody or you knew what was going on and you realized, you know what? I got that one wrong. Anybody been there before? Yeah? Uh, just a couple of people, but I'm pretty sure that we could all know somebody who we thought we knew one thing about them or knew who they really were, and then all of a sudden they kind of do an about face, and you're like, I don't, I don't even know this person. Um, Joe uh, Wagner was a, a judge of, um, uh, at a state fair. This was many years ago. He was, he was judging an event for grand champion lambs. The grand champion lamb of all of them would be auctioned off at the end of the show. So he, he chooses, as a judge, chooses the best one, and it is owned by a little girl. And this little girl loves her lamb very much, and you can tell that she loves her lamb very much, but the auction begins, and, and, and the auctioneer gets up to $5 a pound, and the girl just looks like she is elated. She is so excited, $5 per pound. But then it goes to $10 per pound. And all of a sudden, tears start coming up in her eyes as she starts crying. It goes up from there to $15 a pound. And she is at that point hugging the, the neck of her lamb, just, just bawling. And her, it's like her heart's being ripped out of her chest. And the whole crowd is watching this thing happen. And they're watching this little girl just weeping over the auction that's taking place. And finally, this man steps forward and he says, I'll pay $4,000 for that lamb. He won the bid, won the auction. We turned around and he gave the lamb to the little girl. So all the people are cheering, you know, so excited. Oh, this is such a special story. Well, years later, Joe Wagner, the, the, um, the judge for that, for that state fair, was judging a different event. He was judging an essay contest where kids would write, or teenagers at this point would write essays, and they would send these essays in. And, and he found this one that was written by a girl who said, uh, who, who gave an account of how she had had her lamb at the state fair and it was being sold. And at first she, um, she, she, said, she said, you know, $5 a pound, and, and, and we were so excited to get $5 a pound out of this lamb. And then it went to $10 a pound. 
And at that point, I'm crying from happiness. And then it went to $15 a pound. And at that point, I am hugging the neck of my lamb, and I'm so excited to get this much money. And then a man stepped forward, and he gave $4,000 for my lamb, and he gave it back to me. She said, we went home, and that night we had the best lamb chops we've ever eaten in our life. <laughs> now, if you were there at that auction that day, you could, you, could, you could know without a doubt, right? You could have said, I know without a doubt, this girl is crying over her lamb because she doesn't want to part with it. But something else is compl something completely different is actually taking place. That's not the real story. We get to the end of, of chapter 1 here in the book of Ephesians, and, and the Apostle Paul has outlined for us these great spiritual blessings that are bestowed on the believer when they become a believer. And you might remember that some of those blessings, and this is a short list, okay, but you remember there's, there's the, the blessing of adoption. There's the forgiveness of sins. Right? There's redemption. There's the sealing of the Holy Spirit. These are all spiritual blessings that the believer has received. They've been, they've been given to the believer by God. But then Paul pauses here at the end of chapter 1, and he prays this prayer. And in essence, what Paul is praying is just very simply, you know what? I, um, I'm praying that those things that you've been given by God will actually be seen by the world. So what's truly on the inside is what comes out on the outside. So there's no doubt whatsoever who you are as believers. All right, we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start reading um, verse 15. And we're going to read all the way through verse 23. We're not going to cover all these verses today, but let's read verses 15 through 23. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and of knowledge in him, in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable, uh, is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right, now those verses that we just read are really one long thought. In fact, if you read verses 15 through 21, it's all one long sentence before you get to verses 22 and 23. And Paul here is going to communicate the idea of what's on the inside should be lived out on the outside. Look at verse 15 with me there. First three verses. Excuse me, not the first three verses. The first three, three words there. For this reason. For this reason. All right, that, that clues us in. He's going back to talk about those spiritual blessings. For this reason. He continues on to praise the believers because he's heard about two things. He's heard about their faith and he's heard about their love. So he's going to praise them for their faith, and he's going to praise them for their love. Now let's talk about this for a second, okay? He's going to praise them for their faith in the Lord Jesus, is the words that's used there. Now, a lot of times we, we, we look at that and we think, okay, well, um, he's talking about some kind of great level of faith that comes after their salvation. You know, they believe God for something, and God brings it about. But that's not what Paul's talking about at all. 
In fact, Paul's talking about the initial faith that is needed for salvation. He's praising them. He's saying, your faith for salvation in the Lord Jesus is extraordinary. He's praising them for this. You see, when a person accepts Jesus as their Savior and Lord, they are professing faith in Him alone. They're saying that He is the only one who can save them, and He is the only one who can provide access to God. He's the only one that can give them a relationship with God. That's Jesus. He's the only one that can do that. And Paul has heard about the extraordinary way that these people have come to faith in Jesus in the city of Ephesus. He's praising them for this. You're doing something right here because so many people are coming to faith in Jesus. But he also praises them for their love. Specifically there, he says, for their love toward all the saints. And your love toward all the saints. These believers have a special love for each other. All the saints is the words that's used there, right? All the saints. Now, we live in the South, um, and... and uh, if, if Winston-Salem as a whole is, is just one of those cities that more and more, there's, there's some transplants from, from the north that's, that's coming in, but we still have our roots in the south. And we still have some of these phrases that have been used for hundreds of years, like, bless their hearts. You ever heard that before? Bless their heart. You know what that means? That's code for, that person's an idiot. But my mama said to always say something nice about a person or say nothing at all. So I'm going to say, bless their heart, right? Here's another one that, that, um, that I've heard and you've probably heard as well. It's, it's um, I might have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. In other words, I'm not an idiot, all right? You've heard that before? All right, what about this one? I love him in the Lord. Or I love her in the Lord. You know what that's code for? I'm a Christian, and I'm told I'm supposed to love this person, but I really don't like them. <laughs> I want to slap them is what I heard right here. I love them in the Lord. Hey, can I tell you, that's not the kind of love that Paul's talking about here. He is praising this church for their love for each other. All the saints is the word that's used there. All the saints. This extraordinary love that they've got for each other is seen. Paul is hundreds of miles away in Rome at this point, but yet he's heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus, and he's heard of the love for all the saints. Now listen, what we do here on Sunday morning when we come into this place is, is different. Us coming into this place to worship together and to, to hear the preaching of God's Word and to talk together is different. I mean, think about it. Where else are you going to find a person with, with my interest, uh, spending a lot of time with a person of, of your interest or a person of my background with your background coming together in this way? It's unheard of. People here on this earth just don't do that. But we do here in the church. Why? Because of the love that we have for each other. John, uh, Jesus in John chapter 13 and verse 35, here's what he said. He says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have one for another. In other words, when you love each other the way that, the way that um, you're supposed to, then everybody around you is going to know. And so what Paul's doing here is he's praising this church, great job for your faith in Jesus and for your love for all the saints. Great job with this. 
So those are the two praises that Paul really starts out there with for this, for this church in Ephesus. But then here's what he does. He moves into a time in which he's going to be very specific about what he's praying. He's going to be very specific about what he's praying. Now, oftentimes when you come to me and you say, you know what, I'm going through such and such and I need prayer for this. Or maybe I hear that you're going through something and, and, and I, I just send you a message to say, hey, I'm praying for you. Oftentimes I'm very specific with what I'm going to pray. Not just that I'm going to pray, but what I'm going to pray. For example, if you tell me, you know what, I'm just, I'm just struggling to know that God is there, then I might would respond with something like, um, I'm going to pray very specifically that God would remind you over and over again that Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Very, very specific prayer. It might be a verse that I tell you, hey, I'm going to pray this verse over you. So I'm not just telling you that I'm praying, I'm telling you what I'm praying. Paul's doing the very same thing right here. In fact, he's the model that I, I kind of get that after. And I won't say I do that all the time, but I do that oftentimes. So Paul's going to tell very specifically, here's what I'm praying. It's four things. Number one, that you would know God. Number two, that you would know God's calling. Number three, that you would know God's riches. Number four, that you would know God's power. And we're going to work to break each one of these apart, okay? So first of all, that you would know God. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Paul is praying very simply that the believers would know God. An atheist believes that there is no God. An agnostic believes that there might be a God, but he cannot be known or he, and he cannot be understood. But what Paul's saying here is very, very, very clearly that there is a God and that he can be known. Now listen, folks, knowing God is a whole lot deeper than just an initial entering into a relationship with God. We can know God as our Redeemer, and we can know God as our Lord and Savior. We can know that about God. We can know that He is that, but He's so much deeper than that. I want you to imagine with me the difference between your bathtub and your, the ocean. Let's do that, okay? The bathtub and the ocean. The bathtub holds this little bit of water, right? Sometimes that's what we, we, how we think of God and knowing God. I know God enough for salvation, but there's the whole wealth of, of the ocean, the vastness of the ocean that is right there available to us. You see, we can also know God as our guide. We can know God as our father. We can know God as our sustainer. We can know God in a deep and personal and real way. And that's what Paul's praying here for these believers, that they would go deeper and deeper and deeper in their knowledge of God and their understanding of God. And as they do so, they're going to go closer, grow closer to God and their relationship with God. Folks, how great would it be for Christians all over this planet to get to the point where we seek to truly know God, where we pursue Him, we understand that the answers to life that we're looking for are found in God. Some people are, are content with the little bit that they know about God, but there's so much more that they're missing. They can know God. And what Paul's praying here is very simply, I pray that this church would know God. Then he gets a little bit more specific. His prayer is then that we would know God's calling. Know God's calling. Verse 18 says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. The eyes of our hearts enlightened. I love that phrase because it, it, it's a very visual picture for us, right? The eyes of our hearts enlightened. Now, a lot of times we think about the heart and we think about emotion and we think about, um, we think about feelings, don't we? 
Well, that's the complete opposite of what this church in Ephesus would have thought of. Especially in this Greek culture, they would have considered the heart kind of the central place, the core place of, and this is, it, it's what they believe. It, it's, their, it's their knowledge, it's their wisdom, it's their understanding. It's what they believe. So then when they hear these words, open the eyes of, of the heart, they're, they're talking about here much deeper than just, oh, I feel this or, or I have this emotion. It goes much, much deeper than that. So Paul says that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. In other words, my prayer is that your eyes would be opened to know the hope that you have in God. As believers, we have the greatest level of hope that we could ever have. I have a hope for tomorrow, Labor Day. Hope that, you know what, not a whole lot going on. Probably going to do something fun tomorrow, right? I got that hope for tomorrow. But as a believer, oh, I've got a much, much, much deeper hope. I have a hope that comes with a reality that I know God and that I know that one day he has a place set aside for me. I know that the calling that I've received from God is so much greater than anything I can imagine or hope for on this earth. And what Paul is saying is that he, hope, he, has, a, he has a prayer that the people would believe with everything inside of them, that they would know without a doubt that they have a calling from God, a hope that goes beyond anything that they can ever hope for on this earth. So he's praying that they would know God's calling. This past week, I was, um, Hillary and I were kind of thinking, okay, we got Friday off. The kids are not in school on Friday. What are we going to do? Let's, let's do something together as a, as a family. So like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're kind of, okay, do we do this? Do we do this? Do we do this? And then, then all of a sudden, Thursday morning, we came up with, okay, here's what we're going to do. Not we might do something, but here's what we're going to do. So at that point, there was a little bit more firm reality to we are going to do something this day. So we actually went out of town Thursday night, had a great time with our boys up in the mountains, came back on Friday. But here's what happened. That time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, was this time of flux. What in the world is going to happen? What do we need to do? What do we want to do? But then we made a plan, right? And we had an expectation for what was going to happen. It's almost like you breathe a little bit all of a sudden. Okay, now we got a plan. It's the same thing as a believer. If you're not a believer, then all throughout your life, you're wondering what's going to happen. What's going to happen? But then there comes a point where, no, now I know what's going to happen. It's kind of a much bigger scale than us going onto the mountains for this week. But you understand the idea, right? We know what's going to happen. All right, let's move to this next prayer that, that Paul has. He pray, prays that we would know God's riches that we would know God's riches. I'm going to continue reading here at the end of verse 18. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? All right, he's praying that we would know what the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. First of all, whose inheritance is Paul talking about there? All right, it's not yours. It's God's. His glorious inheritance. He's talking about God there. His glorious inheritance. That means that God has an inheritance coming to him. You say, well, how in the world does that work? Because what does he not already possess? Right? He's the creator of all things. So what does he not already possess? How many of you have ever had the dilemma of trying to buy something for somebody who is very wealthy and they already have anything and everything that they could ever want or need? Right? They've already bought it for themselves or somebody else has already bought it for them. Everybody been there before? Yeah, you're trying to figure out what in the world to buy for this person? Well, it's, it's kind of the same thing here. 
um, what do we get for a God who can literally speak anything into existence? And the answer is you. You are God's inheritance. The one thing that God did not have because of our separation from him is us. And that is the one thing that God was willing to go to the bloody cross of Calvary to obtain was us. And this is almost a thought that's too glorious and and too big for us to understand. The God who literally had everything and could wipe the board with creation and start all over again made the decision to come to this earth and to live and die as a man and he set his love on us and he's willing to submit to the pain and humiliation of the cross just so that we could be with him eternally. We are his inheritance. God views his relationship with us as believers as riches. You ever thought about yourself in that way? That you are God's riches? That you are his prized possession? That when he looks on you as a believer, he doesn't look on you in any way except through Christ's righteousness and as a precious, precious child of his. If I had to venture a guess, then I would imagine that there's some people here this morning or maybe you're watching online and you don't feel very precious to God. In fact, you think, you know what? I don't have any value in this life. You wonder if your life has any value at all. And I would even venture to guess that that there's some people who may be listening to me today or maybe will listen in in days to come who wonder if life is even worth living at all. Several weeks ago, I met a guy who who planned to take his life later that night because he just said, you know what? It's not worth it anymore. I can't do it. That person didn't understand the value that God gives them simply by being a part of his creation. But the reality is, and hear me on this, The reality is that every human being is loved by God and has value because God is your creator. But then when you enter into a relationship with him, you are his child and he views you as a prized possession. You are his glorious inheritance. You are his glorious inheritance. I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged by that. And it reminds me that I am precious to my God. And maybe this morning you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know what? I I need to hear that. I need to know that I am God's riches. I am God. Not, Not what I do, not what I have. No, I am God's riches. Last prayer that we want to outline here is that we would know God's power. That we would know God's power. I'm going to read verse 19 for us. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? Now, Paul's not praying there for power to be given to believers, all right? That's not his prayer at all. We sometimes assume that that's what he's praying for, that Paul's praying for power to be given to believers, but that's not it at all. How could the believer have more than they already have? We found out last week that the believers have received all of the Holy Spirit. Everything that is, all the blessings that come with the Holy Spirit, God did not withhold any of those from the believer. So how can they have more than they already had? And the answer is they can't. Paul's praying here that they would be given a divine awareness of the power that they already possessed in Christ. The power that is already there. It's already freely available to the believer. Paul simply praying that the believers would understand and that they would tap into the power that's already available to them. 
There, there was an American businessman back in the early 1900s by the name of William Randolph Hearst. Maybe you remember him. He was, um, he was, even in that time, he was a multi-billionaire. He was highly successful at business. He loved collecting art. And one day he was reading about this piece of art that was, oh, it was incredible. So he told his agent, he said, I want you to do everything that needs to be done to go get that piece of art. Find it. Wherever it's at across the world, you find it and you buy it. I want it. So his agent spends months upon months looking for this piece of art. Can't find it anywhere. Month upon month upon month. And then finally he comes back to Hearst and he says, I found the owner. He said, Mr. Hearst, you were already the owner. It had been sitting in one of Mr. Hearst's warehouses all that time. In his possession, but hidden away, not being used. It's the same idea for us as believers. We have already, we already possess God's power. It's freely available to us. But oftentimes we keep it hidden away. We keep it pushed away, maybe because we don't understand it, maybe because we don't understand the, 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 the just significance that comes with that. But we don't tap into it. And Paul's prayer here is that, no, I pray that you tap into that power that you've been given by God that's already freely available to you. Now, we're going to talk, we're going to talk a whole lot more next week about God's power. We're going to talk about his strength, his might, and what that means for us as believers. So I'm not going to go any further into this point, okay? But come expecting that next week. But I want to leave you with this last closing thought here this morning. When Paul prayed this prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, he was praying that the authenticity of being a believer, being a follower of Jesus, that was already on the inside, that was already given, would flow to the outside. That the internal would become external. That what was already possessed would be used. That's his prayer. I can't help but think this morning that that, um, there may be some of us in here, and I include myself in this, okay? I absolutely do. We're sitting here, we're going through life, and we already have all of God that there is available to us. We already have the ability to know God. We've got the hope for the future. So we don't have to be tied up in any kind of hope here. That we've got God's power that's available and that we are God's riches. It's all right there. But we're not living it out. So my my challenging thought this morning is, is, is simply this. May what is on the inside of us as believers be played out on the outside. And we've talked about this idea of being in Christ. And I gave you this statement back several weeks ago. I said, when you are in Christ, all that is true of him changes what is true of you. So I want to challenge you this morning to think about, okay, who am I in Christ and how am I allowing that to play out in my life? And it might be, it might be that you just need to have a simple prayer with God where you say, God, show me what this looks like because I have no idea. Maybe you need to just pray simply, God, I want to come to know you, not just for salvation, but for life and godliness. Maybe it is for you that you've forgotten about the hope for the future, the calling that God's got on your life. You've forgotten about that, and you're so tied up in what's going on in this world right now. 
in the chaos of it, that it is dominating your emotions and it's dominating your thought life. You say, you know what? No, I need to shift. I need to go to what is eternal. Maybe for you this morning, you just say, you know what? I needed the reminder that I am God's riches. Not what I do, not necessarily um, who I know or, or, or anything else, but no, I am God's riches. Maybe this morning you need a reminder that you already have all of God's power at your fingertips. It's already been given to you. It just needs to be lived out. So I'm going to leave that with you. You do what you need to with it. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, then you have none of this available to you, but you can. God can be known by you. I'd love to talk with you about what that means a little bit later. Come see me. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, thank you for this passage. Father, I thank you for the reality that, um, that we can know you. And Father, I pray that we do come to know you and that we tap into the resources, the spiritual blessings that you've already given us. Father, we thank you for your blessings. May we live those out so that what is on the inside, already freely given to us, will be lived out on the outside. That who we say we are in Christ is who we truly live like every single day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.